Hi, and welcome to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon. We hope that you're well wherever you are and that this podcast provides a respite from anything you may be dealing with related to the coronavirus. On today's show, we talk to Jiho Yu. He's an English language baseball writer covering the KBO for the Yonhap News in Seoul. You can follow him on Twitter at J-E-E-H-O underscore one. Uh, and Jiho, uh, thank you for joining us. First of all, what are things like in Seoul, South Korea at the moment? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Mark. And uh, in terms of the city that I'm in, uh, you know, we're, I guess, if you're talking about the pandemic situation, we're slowly getting back to normal. Obviously, we have the baseball season going. We've got our soccer league playing. Our golf returned the last week. Um, schools have reopened uh, in, in earlier this week as well. So, a lot of things kind of return to normal uh, as we, uh, you know, go through this pandemic. And when, what is it like to, to go to the supermarket? Like here in the States, everyone's wearing masks and things of that sort. Oh, yeah. Everyone's wearing masks. Uh, markets, uh, you know, subway trains, or buses, uh, streets. Yeah, everyone's wearing masks. Even myself, you know, I'm going to a ball game. I've got to wear a mask or I can't get in. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen a lot of the KBO games, uh, looking at umpires, third base coaches, the first base coaches, even some guys in the dugouts, uh, they have, you know, they have the masks on. So that's the new reality over in Korea. We should explain that Jiho covers uh, the entire league. Uh, He doesn't want me to compare him to some of the upper echelon baseball reporters in the States, but I would refer to it as a combination of Reporting on news, he's broken a few stories. I would uh, say that he also integrates the feature stories uh, that you would see on websites like uh, here in the States in The Athletic, uh, and also likes to integrate fun facts uh, into his coverage. And we will get to those in a moment, considering that we're doing this interview right after a nine-run ninth inning uh, on Thursday. It's delayed a couple of days, but uh, a fun game uh, certainly earlier today. Uh, all right, so it's hard to engage with no fans in the States, but what has Korean baseball fan reaction been like to the sport coming back? Well, you know, it was a welcome sign of, uh, I guess, life return to normal when it became safe enough to allow these grown-ups to play a game. You know, then people kind of saw it as a sign that, hey, we're, we're getting close to this, uh, I guess, a normal life. And fans not being able to attend these games, uh, there's a little bit of maybe frustration on, on their part. But for the time being, you know, they're enjoying games. Uh, they're watching on TV. They're streaming games online, on the websites, uh, on their phones. So whichever, whichever way they can watch games, they are. And, uh, you know, hopefully, I think by the early part of next month, maybe in June, uh, we're going to have some fans back in the seats. Uh, it's not going to go from zero fans to sell out crowds. Uh, it's going to be a gradual process. I think the teams maybe will start selling maybe 20% of the seats at first, maybe, and go from there 30 per, 30%, 40% and whatnot. And hopefully by the time the postseason begins, uh, we'll have the usual uh, for crowd of uh, Korean baseball. What's the attendance normally like uh, when there's no coronavirus? There are three teams in Seoul, and two of them, I'm talking about the LG Twins and the Doosan Bears, they're two of the biggest draws uh, in the league, and they play at a stadium that has a capacity of 25,000 plus. Um, so, you know, they do sell out quite a bit. And when they do reach the postseason playoffs, it's pretty much a guarantee to sell out every game. Uh, there's also constant noise, uh, crowd chanting, uh, cheering on their, their, their home teams. Uh, every player literally has their own walk-up song. 
So even the guys in the, in the 23rd guy in the roster, he comes up to pinch it in the ninth inning of a blowout. He gets his own plate in the, in the PA system. I, I think fans that are watching KB over in the U.S. kind of missing out on the fan experience of the KBO, that atmosphere. Uh, yep. I think it's a bit of a shame that they're not, they're not getting that uh, part of the KBO experience. It's just literally from first pitch to final out. You know, fans here, they don't leave early to beat the traffic, even though traffic is pretty bad over here. Um, you know, they just stay on and just standing up through intern innings and just cheering on their home teams. How is uh, Korean baseball covered by the writers? Uh, is, it, <laughs> is it similar to the States with the interaction with the players and things of that sort? So it's a little different now because of uh, the COVID-19. But typically, uh, the clubhouses are always off limits for KBO writers. But we do have access to dugouts pre-game and post-game. So, you know, in a typical uh, just ordinary season, we would just go down to the dugouts a few hours before the game during batting practice and grab players as they come and go out of the dugouts uh, for you know quick chat or just some scrums. Um, and we would talk to the managers for each team, the home team first, uh, in one corner of the dugouts. And then post-game, uh, we go, go down to the dugout, usually for the winning team, and just grab players, whoever you know, come up, whoever played well in that game. But now uh, things have changed quite a bit. Uh, we have no access to the dugouts pre-game or post-game. Sometimes in the post-game. But, so we, we can only talk to the managers in a press conference setting. You know, home team manager first and the visiting team comes a little later. And, and no interviews with the players before games. And after games, uh, we will get to talk to one player of the game from the winning team. Uh, he comes down, to, he either comes into a press conference room or we, or we go down to a dugout, maintaining our distance, uh, keeping our masks on and ask questions. And, and that's pretty much it. So, you know, personally, it's not as fun as before. Uh, we don't have as much of an access to players or teams or coaches as we did before, but uh, you know, we all also realize we're we're doing this, you know, for the safety of everybody, uh, not just the media, but also the players and the uh, and the and the team staff. Uh, how many writers are there typically covering a, a team? At a typical game, you go to press box, you see about twenty. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, anywhere between fifteen and twenty. Okay, so very comprehensive. Yeah. All right, so uh, early impressions of the season. Uh, we're looking at some of the major leaguers that got off to good starts. Warwick Sapold uh, pitched a two-hit shutout uh, yep. on opening day. He was one. Chris Flexen's off to a good start, another pitcher formerly in the Mets organization. And then you've got a guy that I think is going to be an MVP candidate this year, Preston Tucker. Uh, give there us your you early impressions of some of the top, I guess, players in this part of the country in the KBO so far. Yeah, so Preston Tucker, uh, he's up there in terms of batting average, slugging, home runs, RBIs. Uh, I recently interviewed him, actually, about a week ago, and he told me how he wanted to come in prepared physically. Last year, he came, he came in uh, in the middle of last season, and he said he wasn't really physically ready to play the full season, and that was really his first time in his career that he played. He was expected to play a big role uh, in a full season. So he, he kind of got tired toward the end of last season and he wanted to come in this year uh, healthier, stronger, and be able to play a full 144 game season over here. So I, I think he's showing early in the, in the early going. Uh, he's hitting with, with a lot of power. Uh, another guy who's hitting a lot of power with a lot of power, but who has actually never played in the majors is uh, Roberto, uh, Roberto Ramos of the LG Twins. He's, what, 24, 25? I think he's the youngest uh, position player from the overseas uh, this season. Um, he's doing a lot of damage at the plate. 
uh, play some decent first base. Uh, on the pitching side, um, some recognizable names, I think. Guys like Dan Straley, Aaron Brooks, uh, you mentioned Chris Fluxon, uh, Mike Wright, uh, hit a decent game yesterday, the other night. Um, who else is there? Drew Ruchinski, second year with the NC Dinos. It's off to a solid start. And uh, a couple of names that are, they, were, they had a bit of a up and down spring training, Tyler Wilson and Casey Kelly as the twins. Uh, you know, those are the two guys that had to be quarantined for 14 days when they went back home and came back to Korea to rejoin their team. So after coming off the quarantine period, um, they weren't fully stretched out entering the regular season. So they kind of had a delayed start to their season and they didn't look, look all that sharp in the early going, but I think they're going to get back to their usual level of excellence. How should we uh, translate the statistics from what we're seeing in, in this league uh, to the major leagues? We've had Eric, Eric Thames came over uh, and you mm-hmm. kind of saw a conversion of his numbers from there to here. Uh, but how should we take some of these numbers that we're seeing? Batting numbers, maybe a little bit of grain of salt. Obviously, the pitching is not at the level of you know, Major League Baseball. Even the top-end guys, they don't, I, I wouldn't think they would... Uh, maybe there's very few guys who could you know, crack Major League rotation among the Korean guys anyway. anyway. Um, in terms of pitching, um, you know, this was a very hitter-friendly league until last year. You know, from 2016 to 2018, we saw some crazy offensive numbers. You know, 2018, I think we had five guys hit 40-plus homers, something like close to 30 guys hitting over 300. And then they kind of dejuiced the ball last year, and the <laughs> offensive numbers kind of nosedived, and pitchers thrived last year. Uh, you know, Josh Lindblom, who signed with the Milwaukee, he won 20 games. Uh, I think he finished second in the ERA race. Uh, so it was going to be interesting to see how Josh was going to perform in his first season back in the majors but obviously you know the season is still not taking place over over there so but we had one recent example with Murray Kelly Arizona Diamondbacks uh, he was a very good pitcher uh, for four years with the SK Wyverns in the KBO maybe not to the level of Josh Lindblom but he was one of the better ones um, Kelly was and you know he had some I guess he had a bit of an up and down year with with the D-backs so um, just to give you those examples I think uh Obviously, uh, you know, this is not Major League Baseball, but uh, there's some uh, pretty decent players out here. I want to ask you about a, a Korean pitcher uh, that I was reading about, and I think I read about it through you. So, um, I, and we refer to the player's last name first, as is uh, how it is done in South Korea. Uh, Koo mm-hmm. Chang-mo is off to a great yeah. start. He's 23. Mm-hmm. He's been in the major leagues in Korea since 2016. His ERA was in the fives until last year. Now, uh, this year, his first three starts, 22 innings pitched, one run. And what I found interesting in your story was it said that one scout said that Koo seems to have learned to change speeds more effectively uh, mm-hmm. this season. Uh, so I want to use that as kind of a springboard into how do teams use data to improve their pitchers? Is he someone who might have uh, used numerical information to make himself better? Yeah, you know, NCAA Dinos, they're one of the teams that are really uh, advanced, I guess, no pun intended, but they're really kind of advanced in their in the use of data. And they have a pretty deep uh, data analysis uh, department, some really uh, talented people working in the department. Now, I don't know all the details of, you know, workings of every team, but I do know, I do know for a fact that the NCAA Dinos are out there uh, in terms of uh, breaking down, you know, different data, uh, 
I think Josh uh, Lindblom with the Dusan Bears last year. I don't know if it was the team per se, but maybe it was his own own efforts personally. But he started looking into more data himself to uh, to improve himself. Uh, I guess for for another chance in, in Major League Baseball. Um, so I don't know. I think. I've seen Repsoto cameras in spring training for KBO teams. I've seen, you know, guys talk about the usuals, you know, the, the RPMs, the spin rates, uh, you know, arm angles and what have you. So uh, not every team uh, is doing that kind of stuff, but some teams are better than others. And I think it kind of shows in the, maybe in the standings. Um, Dan Straley said that he had to adjust to the Korean style of hitting. Uh, what is the Korean, what was he referring to with that? Falling off a lot of pitches, making yeah. contact. So, uh, you know, look at MLB these days. It's a lot of three true outcomes, right? Home runs, are, uh, walks, and strikeouts. There's there's nothing in between almost. Whereas over in the KBO, uh, even the guys that are not necessarily good hitters, batting eighth or ninth, um, they can fall off pitches. They can stay alive in at-bats, uh, and they can make their pitches work. Or even if they can just put the ball in play and make make defenders work. And given the quality of defense defense in this league, a lot of things can happen when you just put the ball in play. So uh, I think Australia uh, was referring to that, where it's hard to it's harder than you think to put away guys. I think, uh, and that's one of the bigger part of adjustments adjustments for pitchers coming over. Uh, just that, yeah, you know, I'm pitching in Korea. I'm just gonna put away these guys, you know, throwing heats and what what have you. It doesn't work that way sometimes. Uh, a lot of the guys hitting the bottom of the lineup would, you know, stay alive longer than you would think. Was I reading something that there was this one player that had missed, swung and missed at only like one pitch the whole season? Yep. Yeah, it was one strike. So he <laughs> okay. saw 120 strikes. That was through uh, Sunday's game, was a, uh, Tuesday's game, I think. So 120 strikes, just one swing and a miss. Wow. And I, yeah, so he swung at 80 of those 20, 120 strikes and put 79 of them in play. <laughs> that's pretty good yeah or right. seven, make seven nine contact i guess right Follow right off. understand yeah, he, had, so. he had a he had like in the in the states i think it's like a david fletcher-esque uh kind of contact <laughs> rate. all right yeah. so what, uh, you mentioned defense um what what do they know about studying uh defense and putting things to use uh in south korea one how do they know if someone's good or bad do they have advanced stuff to tell them that and two how do they handle uh defensive positioning and, and figuring out where to put guys yeah so with the defensive stats uh we have this website called statis s-t-a-r-s-t-a-t-i-z.co.kr it's all in korean but you can i don't know maybe run it for translation and look at look for different numbers they do keep track of uh, wins above average and runs above average uh, with the teams and the individual players. Uh, and some, they have some numbers uh, like range factors and defensive, uh, field, I guess, fielding rate also. But uh, runs above average and wins above average, uh, you can find those numbers on their website. Um, so I think, you know, for me, uh, those are the two major uh, stats that I can find uh, on defense. And some of the couple of other sites, they don't really do a lot of uh, advanced numbers with, with fielding, but they do have some weird, uh, pretty bizarre situ- situational stats, like uh, uh, stats when temperatures is, with, temperatures is within certain range, uh, <laughs> stats for day games versus night games, or you know, stats when certain guys are behind the home plate, they're calling the game as an umpire or you know, what have you. So 
you can find different uh, stats there. In terms of advanced failure numbers, you'll see wins above average and uh, runs, runs above average. Plus, uh, in terms of uh, maybe shifting, uh, it's not done quite as much, I think, in the KBO. Uh, maybe some managers uh, tended to do it a little more than others, but some of them got, actually got fired last year. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, I don't think we're seeing a lot of shifts this year. Wow. Okay. So I, I should, I guess I can use this to break some uh, news. We've actually been tracking uh, KBO games this year and our okay. Twitter and our, um, we'll be putting some information out there for the public to consume. So you'll have access uh, to more, including defensive run saved, uh, which we hope to have uh, okay. in the very near future. Anyway, uh, once we get past that, um, so so who are the best defensive players in the league? Like if we're going to see someone in the highlights or if we're going to type someone's name into YouTube and watch a highlight video, who, who are we going to see? Yeah, so there's a shortstop with the, with the LG Twins, uh, O.G. Juan, uh, O being the family name there. Um, yep. he's, he's the guy that kind of passes the eye test and also has some numbers to back that up. And uh, the the impress, impressive thing about him is he wasn't a very good defender just five, six years ago. Uh, he's kind of evolved into a very good defender over the years. And I think that has kind of come at the expense of his, his, his hitting because his offensive numbers have gone down quite a bit as his defense has improved. I don't know if there's any correlation there, but uh, yeah, he's consistently mentioned as one of the top uh, defensive players uh, in this league. And also there's a guy... Uh, named uh, Park came in center fielder for the Samsung Lions. Um, yeah, he can cover the ground. Uh, I guess you know to use some old school uh, uh, language there, but uh, he's a pretty good defender out in the outfield. Just those two, I think, really pop up for me. And there's some pretty good second basemen. Uh, third base, uh, uh, Park Sung Min for the NC Dinos. He's of an underrated uh, player, I think, at the plate and uh, on the field, um, he does a lot of silly things. I think you, you know you must have seen his like chips and memes of his throwing, his, tossing his bat, and going down as one knee, kind of you know his helmet coming off. I like to call <laughs> him sort of like a, you know clown prince of Korean baseball, but uh, he's actually a very good player. So, uh, so covering third base for NC Dinos, he's he's pretty good up there. Do catchers try to uh, steal strikes? Uh, over there, you mean like framing? Yeah, like framing. Yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Okay. All the time, but right. they don't. They don't. I mean, they don't get the calls all, all the time, but obviously, but uh, yeah, they did. They did. They did. They did a ton. Is there any catcher that's particularly notable for that? Um, you know, framing is not. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a, that big of a thing over in the KBO. Um, I mean, the zone is very inconsistent to begin with. Um, not going to throw anybody under the bus, but uh, yeah, the zone has been an issue. Yep. Uh, with the umpires, uh, you know, I wrote the story about you know entire crew getting demoted to the minors just a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, so yeah, I guess trying to do the framing is one thing, but uh, I don't I don't know that uh, they're gonna get a lot of calls for that, and especially in the KBO. Also, I know this is also the case in the majors, but umpires hate being being shown up. Uh, you know how when there's a you know, two outs, something borderline pitcher comes in, the catcher kind of gets up, about to throw to third or whatever, toss the ball back to the mound, thinking it was a strike, and the umpire doesn't get doesn't call it. It happens a lot in the KBO. Um, I think it's also a cultural thing where you know, if you're older, you you kind of uh, 
command respect. And obviously, mm-hmm. all the umpire, all the umpires are older than the players, and um, especially younger catchers nowadays. Uh, the guys that they haven't paid their dues. Uh, yeah, I, I think they, I think they're getting squeezed quite a bit. I was reading that we're seeing a lot of injuries uh, early on. On yeah. a more serious note, uh, what are, mm-hmm. what trends are you seeing in that regard? I, I don't know. There seem to be a lot of pulled hammies these days. Eh? There's we went through a couple of days of stretches where I think three or four different guys pull their hammies running bases. Um, so I don't know. It seems like just pure coincidental right now. Uh, you know, we had a very long spring training to sleep. Uh, usually. Spring training begins around late January or early February, and the teams come back to come back to Korea. They usually train overseas in warmer climates. Uh, some teams go to Arizona, Florida, some parts of Japan or Taiwan, and they come back toward late February or early March and then play some preseason games. And obviously, because of virus, we didn't have any preseason games in March. So the teams they had to come back and play a whole bunch of intra-squad games, uh, practice, intra-squad games and practice. So they did that for about a month and plus, and then preseason began toward the end of April and then regular season began in early May. So now uh, long spring training, uh, starting, starting pitchers kind of struggling to get stretched out, uh, relief pitchers not trying to figure out, you know, what their, what their workload is going to be. And then the hitters kind of going on and off. And so there's some stops and goes with uh, some players showing symptoms of virus. They had to get tested and then teams had to stop everything. So it was a very tumultuous uh, up and down roller coaster uh, like preseason. So, for them to go through all that for two and a half months or three months and then jump right into games that count, uh, I don't know. I, I think there might be some uh, issues uh, issues physically. And some pitchers have had some elbow tightness. Uh, looking at Chad Bell, lefty for Hanwha Eagles, and Nick Kingham for the SK Wyverns, both with down with elbow issues. Although Chad Bell is is uh, is close to returning to the rotation. When a hitter goes into a funk uh, there, uh, goes into yeah. a slump, what is usually the issue? Is it like that they're chasing too many breaking balls? Is it that they get overpowered by the, the fastballs? I know the fastballs aren't necessarily what they are in the States, uh, but what, mm-hmm. what, what, what do you see when you see like a hitter going to slump there? Yeah, so I was going to say a little about the fastball. It's hard to get kind of overpowered by fastballs here. So right. you, you, see, you see usually the breaking stuff. You know, guys, when they are in, in a slump, they start to chase, you know, they, 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 get, they, they start to kind of rush things a little bit in the plate, you know, going up there, not really with a game plan, just going up there, hacking, uh, getting way out in front on breaking balls in the dirt. And, you know, pitchers over here, uh, just because we don't, we don't have a lot of uh, power guys, a lot of the pitchers throw a lot of different breaking, breaking balls and off-speed pitches. So they really like to mix it up and the hitters, you know, if they're not, uh, if they don't have the timing down, uh, they're going to get fooled quite a bit. Two last things here. Uh, I want to ask you about fun facts because it seems like uh, you're very much into those. And when I say that, <laughs> I'm talking yeah. about things like uh, homering on the first pitch of consecutive plate appearances. How many triple plays have there been? Fastest opening day games in KBO history. Walk-off box. Pop flies hitting a shortstop's head going into a center fielder's glove. Uh, what's your favorite uh, fun fact from uh, the KBO? I think I tweeted this a couple of days ago, just the smallest crowd. Uh, I think it was 54 people. Uh, and that entire three-game series, I think there was a 54 and a 70-something and that got maybe about 100. <laughs> um, so the thing is, neither of those two teams that are actually playing that game uh, exist anymore. Uh, it was the Raiders versus the Unicorns. 
uh, Raiders just went, went up in the air. Uh, unicorns, a uh, long story, they became the heroes that we're seeing now. So um, I guess there was a reason for that. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of support, to say the least. So, <laughs> you know, people ask about, I, I often get asked about, you know, some random stuff, right? Uh, what's the biggest crowd? And uh, But I always find, like, those small numbers, you know, 54 or double-digit numbers of fans uh, in the stands. And, I, you know, back in the days, around, I want to say, 2005 or 2006-ish, a typical regular season game didn't draw very well. Uh, you know, the, the attendance started going up in, in, in around 2008 or 9-ish, right after Korea won the gold medal in the Olympics in 2008. That was when the interest kind of spiked back up to maybe around 80s level. But early 2000s, uh, you know, soccer was the number one sport over here uh, right after the World Cup in 2002. And baseball was a distant number two. So... Uh, I think those records were mostly set during the, during those years, uh, maybe even a little, little earlier than that. But uh, baseball, yeah, ever since, uh, I guess, the Olympic gold medal has been uh, at the top of uh, professional sports in Korea. Very cool. All right, one more. Uh, if I may poke fun, you're not jinxing no-hitters on Twitter. It's the same thing in the States where the people get mad at the writers for jinxing oh, no-hitters. Are, are, you, are you one of those who's been shamed into not, uh, into not tweeting about them? I am, you know, I've, you know, that was my wake up call, I guess, if you will. Uh, it was like Ricardo Pinto's first uh, regular season start and he had a terrible spring and I don't think even his own team expected much out of him. And then his first outing, he had a no hitter going through six innings. Uh, and then I kind of, I wasn't even watching the game. And then I kind of looking at the different scores and I saw a lot of zeros there. I just thought I tweeted out, you know, oh, uh, six innings, no hits. And then, you know, two battles later, he gave up a single. And, you know, some of the defense kind of got mad at me. So <laughs> I promised myself I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll never do it again. All right. Well, actually, one last thing. Something to watch. Give us a, give us a player, a thing to watch, anything that we should be keeping our eye on as, as we watch some of the games on ESPN and follow on the Internet. Yeah. So, you know, you just watched, uh, I think, NC Dinos, uh, you know, going 12-1, and one, scoring, well, I think, nine, nine runs in the top of ninth inning. So that's uh, a very, very good team uh, to watch. Also a very entertaining team just because they score a bunch of runs. Uh, they have some really professional hitters in the lineup, uh, including a Nasong Bum, a Scott Boras client, who is trying to go to the majors for 2021. Uh, here's a guy who blew out his knee last year. Uh, very unfortunate. Missed a big chunk of 2019. Comes back. Uh, I don't think he's, I think he's made, made one, one appearance in, on the field, but uh, he's mostly the DH now. Uh, it looks like he's got his swing back. Uh, There's one guy to keep an eye on if you're a fan of Major League Baseball. Might see him next year there. And also, there's a shortstop by the name of Kim Ha-sung with the uh, Kiyom Heroes. He wants to get posted. I think he will get posted uh, after this year. Uh, sort of very toolsy uh, shortstop. Uh, he can field, he can throw. A good power hitter for his position and for his ballpark. Uh, he can put the ball in play. So here's another guy who's hoping to go over to the majors next year. There. So those are the two individual players that I wanted to point out. And uh, in terms of just the team narrative, uh, yeah, Dino's up there. Uh, you know, they joined the league, I think it was 2014 uh, or 2013-ish. And then, they, you know, they made this, they were really good from the beginning almost. And they're trying to win their first championship in the franchise history this year. You can follow Jiho Yu both on social media and with the Yonhap uh, news agency. That's en.yna.co 
kr did i get that right yep perfect cool. all right uh well thank you for uh joining us uh please stay safe stay well keep covering with the the spirit of some of the top american baseball writers uh and we look forward to reading uh, your work oh thank you thanks for having me mark you got it and this wraps up the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. Thanks to Jiho Yu for joining us and our producer, Justin Stein. I'm Mark Simon. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS. 